chapter 13 to the one who conquers. What if Jesus were to write a letter to you and your church about where you were at spiritually? What do you think he would say? In the book of Revelation, Jesus does just that in the form of seven letters. These letters, although contextual to each church in their specific situation, have timeless truths and insights into the struggles that all churches will face. In each letter, there are both warnings and promises of blessings for those who overcome. What I find super interesting is that if you read each blessing for the churches, all of them are speaking to eternal rewards, salvation, responsibilities in heaven, etc. But only a couple of them have a promise for a reward that will happen on this side of eternity. For example, the church of Thyatira is promised to receive the morning star. That would be eternal reward. They are also told if they conquer slash stay the chorus, despite the challenges that they face, they will be given authority over nations, which would be an earthly reward. That isn't an eternal promise, but one that would be fulfilled through their lifetime on earth. Another example would be the Church of Philadelphia. Their eternal reward is that they would be a pillar in the temple of God in the New Jerusalem. Their promise for today was that if they conquered their challenges, the city would come to them and learn because of their great love for God and for each other. Unlike the Church of Thyatira or Philadelphia, the Church of Ephesus is promised that if they overcome, they would eat from the tree of life in paradise. They were given an internal reward, but there is no mention of them receiving an earthly reward for their conquering. This has taught me that we cannot control the fruit we see on this side of heaven. We are all promised salvation for those who follow Jesus. We are not, however, guaranteed to have a great, luxurious life. Some of us will experience great luxury. It is not up to you or me, but it is up to God to decide. He is good and faithful and wise in deciding who gets what, when. He is worthy to be trusted. I find this super encouraging, because sometimes in my life, it seems like other followers of Jesus that I know have a life that's a lot easier than mine. I'm just being honest. There has always been a part of me that wonders if I'm doing something wrong and that's why others are seemingly more quote-unquote blessed than me. What these letters have taught me is that what you receive doesn't reflect your worth or your value to God. He loves all of his children equally, though the way he expresses this is intentionally different. Jesus loved all seven churches intensely and equally. He died for all seven he gave all seven his Holy Spirit. He wrote all seven a letter. Yet through his wisdom, he didn't give all seven the same rewards. Again, the reward does not reflect the value of the individual or the church. When we fully surrender to God, we are trusting him with the results of our life. We are freed from living for ourselves, and therefore we are able and free to celebrate the breakthroughs and blessings that our brothers and sisters experience even when we don't. The seven churches were not in competition with each other in pursuit of God's approval and love. He had already approved and loved them through his son. As a result of this truth, I believe these churches would have celebrated and encouraged each other with their specific eternal and earthly rewards that were promised. I don't believe there would have been jealousy among the churches. I believe they would use these letters to encourage each other and remind them of what God has in store for them. I love what Paul says to the church at Corinth regarding this concept. He tells them that some plant seeds, 
others water, but God is the one who causes the growth. We all have a role to play in the kingdom coming to earth. Our role does not reflect our value to God, for we all do things from love, not for love. Paul continues to say to them, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. It is very interesting to me that in this conversation about fruit, Paul talks about rewards. Paul says they will be rewarded due to their labor, which is another way of saying those who conquer through their walk with God. Stay the chorus would be another way of saying the same thing. Paul doesn't say what the rewards will be. I think intentionally. Paul knows that he can't promise a reward because he isn't the reward giver. Only God is. God chooses who gets what. This is in keeping with the previous chapter where we talked about how following Jesus isn't about comparing your walk with others, but being obedient to what God has called you to, the chapter He Has My Yes. When we surrender our lives fully to Jesus and walk in His ways, we cannot control the results or the rewards that will come into our life. Walking with Jesus is rooted in trusting in Him. I don't know if it's possible to walk with Him without that trust being established. That doesn't mean that our trust will not be tested, challenged, doubted, difficult, or refined. It does mean that when it comes to trials and even rewards, we must choose to trust in God, that He is who He says He is, good. This trust can only come through spending time with Him.